Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're in 1 John, going through that. We're in chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 11 to 24 tonight. And uh, John just keeps hammering home this point that's important for us to grasp and to understand. And we're going to begin with how the world will hate us. Now, you know what? If you're trying to get somebody to buy into something, you don't say, oh, by the way, if you do this, everybody's going to hate you. That's just not a way to attract a crowd, is it? It's not a way to make something appealing. And yet the great thing about the Bible is this. It's brutally honest. It just tells us the truth. And sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes we don't get it. But that's where we begin in in verse 11. The world will hate us. This is the message you've heard from the beginning, he says. We should love one another. Now, I would hope by now you understand or are grasping, and we're going to go through it even more. The Bible's pretty clear. If you're a Christian, you don't have a choice. You have to love other people. Well, there's a rousing response there. And especially the other believers. You have to. You don't get an option. You don't get to select. He says, we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Why did Cain kill his brother? He didn't like it because his brother was doing the right thing and he wasn't. He just got ticked off at it. Rather than taking responsibility for himself, he just got mad at other people. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. In other words, you still haven't entered into the relationship with Jesus Christ. You still haven't entered into life. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So the message from the beginning is what? We're to love one another. And that means we do what God tells us to do. We live as he directs us. And when we do this, not everybody is going to like us. When you're nice and they're not, they don't like that. And we sometimes believe, well, if I love people, they'll love me back. No, a lot of times you'll love people and they'll still treat you bad. You can still do what's right. And then what happens? We get our feelings hurt. We begin to get mad at them. We say, well, if that's the way everybody is, forget it. And so we have to understand that if we live a godly life, there will be people who will hate us. They will hate it because we're doing what's right, they're doing what's wrong, and they don't like that because they don't want to change. Cain was guilty. Now follow me. Cain was guilty. He was mad at God. He took it out on Abel. That's the way it works. Well, I know I'm not good, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so, and so we deal with so-and-so, don't we? 
And really what we're bad with is the Holy Spirit's dealing with us about who we are and how we are and how we need to change and be different. And we get mad at other people because we don't like it because they're doing what's right and we're not. And John says, look, don't be surprised when the world doesn't understand this. The world doesn't like Christians for the same reason Cain didn't like Abel. And therefore, when we do what's right, we get thrown up back in our face. Well, what makes you think you're so good? What makes you think what you're doing is okay? And so you and I have to understand that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we have to love other people. And when you love other people, not always are people going to love you back. (laughs) And we know we're saved because we love others. And John here says, look, if you don't love your brothers and sisters, you're no different than Cain. You have a wrong attitude. God sees that. And so there's this responsibility that we have to love people no matter how people treat us. You keep on loving. Now let's be honest, we're not very good at that because where we're at is, you know what, I'm going to love you, but I will only go so far. And when you don't respond like I think you should, when you don't respond like I want you to, then I'm done. But the Bible and the definition of love, one of the character traits of it, love never ends. You keep loving people in spite of how they treat you, in spite of what they say about you. You keep loving them. You keep serving them. You keep doing what's right. You don't get mad like Cain and take it out on other people. Hard concept to understand. We, we want to think, well, if I do what's right and if I love people and handle it the right way, then everybody will love me. No, that's not going to happen. Hard to understand, isn't it? And yet, that's what John says. So he goes a step farther. He says, not only are, are people not going to like you and the world will hate you, but you have to willingly give up your life. You have to willingly be a person who is going to lay down your life. Look at verses 16 and 17. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, stop for a moment and just consider that verse. Jesus died on a cross because he loved us. In the same way, you and I should be willing to die to love other people. Oh, that's carrying it a bit far, isn't it? It's a bit much, right? But notice the analogy. You know, we know what love is like. We know what it is. We know what it looks like. Look at Jesus. He died on a cross for us when we didn't care, when we didn't want him. He died for us. And he comes back and John says, look, just like that, you need to love your brothers and sisters in the same way. Did everybody love Jesus for dying on a cross? No. Did everybody understand what he was doing? No. Did everybody receive the love that he has for them? No. 
In the same way, that's how you love other people. Aren't you glad you came tonight and listening here? You know, because it's right and about now, go, well, that's the way it is, forget it. Because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years. I can't tell you times in my own life where, you know what, this just giving, giving, giving stuff is for the birds. And I'm tired of giving because nobody ever gives back. And people just take advantage and don't, let, don't do it, blah, 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 blah. And just you, got, you and I, as Christians, should keep on loving. Now, that's all pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, that's a big ask, right? And yet, as he asked us to do that, he says, this is the way it needs to be. And one of the most astonishing things in the Bible is that Jesus was willing to give up his life for me in spite of me. And I am asked to be like him and to be willing to give up my life for others. In verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well, sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? That doesn't mean I need to go out and try to meet everybody's need. But it does mean when I see the needs of other people, am I willing to be compassionate about that? Am I willing to take notice of that? Am I willing to care? If I care, I'll pray. And if I can, I'll do something. And loving others is not an option. It's an obligation. I think there'll be a lot of people who are very surprised that they probably don't make it to heaven. Because what they'll say is, well, God, I loved you. And Jesus says, no, you didn't. What do you mean? Yes, I did. No. Well, what do you mean? Well, you didn't love other people. And if you don't love others, you don't love me. Pretty clear. And love sees beyond what it does not like about a person and minimizes it and sees the person as Christ sees them. You act towards people in a manner that is pleasing towards God. And you love everyone that way and you even step it up another notch and love your brothers and sisters even greater. James 4.1, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Why is it you can't get along? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to do it. Is this describing Cain or not? You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. In other words, you're looking at other people and you're not getting what you want from them. You see, we all have this idea in our life, this is how I expect you to treat me. It's kind of different for everybody. But when people don't live up to that idea, then we say, well, if that's the way you're going to be, then I'm not going to love you either. And sometimes I wish we had the ability to sit down just with a small group of people and look, do you understand how big this is, what this is asking of you, and do you understand how critical it is in your walk with God? That you lay down your life, you don't have to have your way, and you think of others more than you think of yourself. And that's what John's saying to these people. 
And now he even goes a step farther. Remember he said, look, if you see somebody and, you know, and then he says, words are not enough. It's not enough just to say it. I mean, he's really piling this on, isn't he? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Now, picture this, uh, a bride and a groom, you know, and as, as the minister, I'll stand there and say, okay, do you take this man or this woman to be your wife, be your husband? Will you love them, honor them, obey them, put them first? Will you do all those things? And both of them say, oh, yes. And you know what? I really believe most of them mean it. Yeah, yeah, this is the person. Uh, yeah, I want to do that. But then life starts happening. And things start cropping up. And issues start playing out. And that spouse doesn't act like mama. And that man isn't like daddy. And you were the princess before. Well, someday you have to stop being a princess. And you come to that place and he says, look, let's not just say it. Show it by our actions. Verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. You see, when I act that way, I am confident in my relationship with God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Because you know what? If I go to him, I'm not going to be asking for me all the time, am I? I'm going to have this heart for other people. I'm going to have this love for other people. I'm going to be willing to say, God, I care about this person. Can you help them? God, I'll do this. And, and God says, look, when you ask with that kind of heart, I'm going to listen because you're asking out of love, not out of selfishness. And this is his commandment. We must, must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's not two separate things. That's one thing. When you believe in Christ, you have to love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them, and we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So, taking those verses, let me break them down into three parts that kind of give us summation here. That you and I, first of all, are to live with confidence. Live with confidence. Verses 18 to 22. In other words, when I'm doing what's right, I live with confidence. Remember when you were a kid and you had done something you know your parents didn't approve of? You wanted to avoid them at all costs, didn't you? 
you wanted to, oh, I, I don't want to go around. They might come up. They might know. They might see. I, I'll just do everything. I'll sneak around here. I'll sneak around here and everything. But when you're doing everything right, you, you can just walk around and, hey, yeah, it's okay. Everything's good. And that's what he's saying here. He says, look, you get to live with a confidence. When you know you're doing what God wants you to do, you live confidently in your relationship with God. And God becomes greater than our feelings. And so when I come with that confidence, I get to come before God with bold confidence. I know that I can pray because I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. And as I pray, God's listening. And when I'm living in obedience to God, I will ask for those things that please God and that God wants. And when our delight is in the love of God, our desires will be in the will of God. And so he says, look, if you want to have confidence in your walk with God, you have to believe in Jesus Christ and you have to be willing to love your brothers and sisters. Not just saying it. And see, here's what some of us say. Well, I, I, I love them. I just don't like them. Write the word impossible there. That's not the way it works. And so you love them. Notice how Hebrews, the writer there, puts it and describes it for us in this confidence. In chapter 4, verse 15, the high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same things and same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Now notice, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And I know when I'm doing what God wants me to do and what's God want me to do, love him, love others, I can boldly go before him, I can talk to him knowing that I can confidently go because I'm doing what's right and I will receive from God what I need. He will give me the strength to keep on loving others. He'll give me the peace that comes from knowing I'm doing what God wants me to do. He will give me rest. Later on in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can enter boldly, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Now notice, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I can go into God's presence. I know he will accept me. I know he will love me. But you know what? When I'm disobeying him, and I've heard people tell me this, when I'm not doing what I know I should do, I don't have any right asking God anything because I'm not doing what I should, so why should I ask him? And yet the very thing you need to do is you begin to ask him, God, help me. Let's, let's me and you get things right. Let me recognize what I'm doing is wrong against you. Let me change it. Let me fix it. Let me reestablish my relationship. 
Let me obey. Let me do what's right. Because when I do that, I can boldly go to God's presence. And God hears me. And God relates to me. And I confidently get to live for God. If you're lacking confidence in your relationship and your salvation, where you need to start is, first of all, is everything right between me and Jesus? Do I have that relationship like it needs to be? And secondly, am I loving other people like God wants me to? When I've got those two things where they need to be, I can have confidence before God. And I can go boldly into his presence. So he wants you to live with confidence. Secondly, follow his commandments. That's verse 23 of that passage that we read. You know, this is his commandment. We must, you know, believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and we must love our brothers and sisters. Now, sometimes, a lot of times when I'm standing up here, I just feel like I'm sounding like a broken record. I've said this this way, I've said it this way, I've said it this way. How many ways can I say this? Because it's not going to change. It's the heart of the gospel. It's what the gospel is about. We are to believe and then we obey. You know, the Bible tells us that there's going to be people standing before God on judgment day. That are, he's going to, they're going to come to him and say, well, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. So they believed in his name. We did this in you. And he's going to say to them, I don't know you. Why would he say that if they did all those things in his name? Because there wasn't obedience in their life. They hadn't really had salvation. They just had his name, wanted to use him for their purposes and intent, but they weren't willing to put it into practice. And so you have to obey his commandments. And we sometimes think, well, if I believe right, then that will take care of me but you've got to go a step farther. You also have to act right. I've got to believe in Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and then I've got to live like him in loving others and laying down my life for other people. At the heart of love is the willingness to lay down your life for somebody else. You've heard me say it over and over again. We're just selfish people. We just do our thing. John 13, 34. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. What's our greatest testimony to the world? Our greatest testimony is how we love other people. And as they watch us, they see that and they know that. So we're to have confidence before God we are to obey his commandment and we are to live with the comforter. The comforter. Verse 24. So it's what it tells us there. He, he tells us, he says, you know what? You're in fellowship with him and he's with you and we know he lives in us because of the spirit he gave us. The Holy Spirit is alive in our life as Christians. And we are to live with him. He will help us love other people. He will give us the strength that we need. Well, but what if they do this? And what if they do this? And what if they treat me like this? And what if they act like this? And what if they, hold it, stop for a moment. If you will just listen, the Holy Spirit will direct you on how you are to respond. 
Okay, got a question? Got a quick one. Okay, need some sound here, please. Question is... Uh, Hold it, wait. Uh, we got it? Hello? No. No? Testing one, two. Check, hello? You got a mic on? Okay. Yeah. I'll just speak real loud. Okay, and I'll, I'll repeat it. All right. How do I act in love when others expect me to disobey God's commandments? How do I act in love when others expect me to obey God's commandments? In other words, they want me to go and do what they want to do. And it's easy to say, look, I'm not doing this because I don't like you. I'm doing this because I like God. I love him. I'm committed to him. And he is my first love, and he's the one that I'm going to follow and do what's right. And when anybody goes apart from that, you go do what you want. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, this is how I have to live. And so you lovingly, carefully just say, look, you know, this is a choice I'm making because of my commitment to God. And other people won't understand it. They might criticize for you. They, oh, don't you care? But they'll respect you for it in the long run. And so you just have to understand, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to, oh, I can't believe you guys are doing that. I can't. I'm not going to do that. That's horrible that you're doing it. I'm a Christian and I don't act like that and you shouldn't either. Now you've just ruined everything. But rather, you know what? You, You can do what you want. But for me, I can't do this. My relationship with God is such this isn't something that's right. So I'm not going to do it. And you go on. And if they don't like it, okay. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to give us the strength that we need, to be that little voice that says, no, don't, do, don't act like that. Don't listen to that. Don't allow that person to dictate how you're going to act towards others. Ephesians 1.13. Now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So there it is. He says, look, when you believed in Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. And now you're to live in him. Verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. He put that spirit in there so that we could live a life that will give him glory and give him praise. And so I have someone to help me if I will just listen. The Holy Spirit is talking a lot, but he doesn't yell. He doesn't make you, you know, <laughs> I got to watch what I say here. He, he doesn't try to intimidate you. He doesn't try to bargain with you. He just simply says, you know, you, may, you should do this. And he gives you that impression. And you listen to it. Philippians 2.1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together with the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Remember, we talked about that earlier. Do you have compassion for people? Then make me truly happy, he says, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. (laughs) Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. 
thinking of others as better or more than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So he says, look, here's what I expect. You have to understand the world's going to hate you. They're not going to always like what you do. They're not going to like how you do it. That just goes with the territory, and you just have to accept that. But you have to be willing to give up your life, to live it for me and not for other people, no matter what they do, and your words aren't enough. You have to follow his commandments. You have to come to that place where you go in a way that honors him and you live with great confidence of knowing God and I are good. And the comforter bears witness, his spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. And so he very clearly says, this is the way it's got to be. This is how you live. This is what it's about. And we read that and think, wow, that's just, (laughs) that's almost impossible, isn't it? No, it's not. But it is hard. It is difficult, but it is right. And so you and I have to take a moment and just ask ourselves, am I doing this? Have I accepted Christ? Am I living like he wants me to live? And am I obeying him? And basically the obedience is, how am I loving other people? And especially the people of God, brothers and sisters in the family. Am I doing that in the right way? Which means I have to say no to me, yes to God. Let's pray. Lord, tonight we thank you for the life that you offer to us. But you're honest with us and up front you say, you know what, this isn't going to be easy and there's other people who aren't going to like it. But if you do what's right, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And there will be a great reward for you waiting. And so, Lord, would you help us to willingly give our life to you and we do that by giving our life to others. Help us to live with the confidence of knowing who we are in Christ and knowing that we can come into your presence and you will help us and you will direct us and you will provide for us because we're obeying you. And would you help us to listen to your voice, your spirit that's within us as he directs us as he counsels us, as he comforts us, as he encourages us, would you help us to recognize his presence and follow what he says? Lord, help us to go from this place tonight to live that life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.